What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for a special Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. For a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, I'm your host, Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. Make sure you're checking out Ethos Fantasy BB as well. We share out all of our new podcasts and articles, different news and notes, and every bit of baseball content we got uh, over on that page, Ethos Fantasy BB. If you're not on Twitter anymore, it'd be very hard to hold it against you. You can go right to the website, sportsethos.com, and you get all that same great content over there. But we got a special guest joining the show here again. We haven't talked since the preseason when we did our Detroit Tigers preview. Paul Spore, he's rejoining us. Paul, how you doing today, man? Joe, I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always great to talk with you, man. We talked for the first time, I think, last year around this time, and we've met up in Arizona. Um, always a great time talking with you. I guess I'll ask you now. I'm assuming you're going to be back down at first pitch this year. 100%, man. It'd be hard to keep me away. Something would really have to come up to keep me away from the Arizona Fall League. I love it. Um, I do look forward to it every year, although I'm at that zone of, of the year where I start to lament the end of the season. Even though we just hit the midway point, I already start thinking about the end of the year and I get sad. So I'm trying to relish and enjoy the fact that we still have half a year left plus playoffs. So we got plenty of time before first pitch. That said, it'll be here before we know it because that's just how time moves during the baseball season. It just zips by. It feels like we've packed a whole year's worth of news and injuries and, and, and excitement into half it a really season does. already. Uh, it's been one of the crazier years. I know I've, I've been covering the sport, like with the podcast, for the last couple of seasons, following it my whole life. And this is, I don't know, maybe not the craziest season, but one of them for sure with the rule changes and all the injuries. Uh, what have been your like big takeaways from, from the first half? What's been like your biggest surprise? Would it be the big the stolen bases? Would it be all the injuries we've seen? What what exactly has really shocked you? Yeah, I think it I think the stolen bases are definitely up there. It has played out even better than than we thought. I think a lot of us kind of took the cautious route not to overdo it with the estimations, but it has blown those out of the water. And then some of the premium teams that are struggling, you know, the big spenders, the Mets and the Padres falling flat on their face, a blue blood team like the Cardinals. uh, That's been a pretty big surprise, too. And so I think I tend to agree with you on the half season has produced almost a full season worth of uh, interest. And then, of course, the young players that continue to take over every year. There's new guys stepping up. Ellie De La Cruz is the hottest thing going right now, and it's been super, super exciting to watch him just tear the league apart, despite his bad plate skills that will eventually yield a cold snap. But don't worry, he's got power and speed for days, so you're just going to play him every day no matter what. Oh, absolutely. You know, I was very aggressive in my NFBC leagues bidding on him. TGFBI is the league where I really, really wanted him. Uh, you know, I, I, I wanted, I, I don't know, I kind of needed some speed, and I also mm-hmm. just really wanted him and i bid like 520 or something i i've been pretty tame in my bidding up to that point and i'm not sure if you saw the screenshot marty tallman was sharing it around there's one guy who hadn't bid at all the entire year and then he put a 995 bid down on ellie that was y'all's league that was my tgfbi league yeah so i was oh, pretty annoyed my God. runner up bid at 520 or something i was more than happy to pay the 520 but but not uh, yeah, the guy, <laughs> I'm not even sure who it was, but he put down like his his everything on it. How have your leagues done so far this year? How are you doing? You're in a couple of main events. I'm in just the one main event, um, and I've been grinding. I spent the first month in dead last. I think I was only up to 14th or 13th maybe um, by by the end of May, and here I am now sitting in sixth with a bullet 
things are things are going the right way right now. Pitching's been there most of the year. The offense is starting to come around. My guy Yiner Diaz, two more homers today. Love what he's been doing. So I still like my chances here. Obviously, the main event overall, I'm probably not going to do anything there. I don't have any delusions there. But I'm trying to win this league, and I think I've I think I've got plenty of opportunity to do so. I'm a bit poor though. I'm down to about 153 dollars. So I'm going to have to be really tight on the budget, but that's okay. I, I can figure that part of it out. Uh, I'm excited to, to see how the rest of this year plays out. I feel like in this environment of so many hot prospects coming up every week and massive bids, 150 bucks of fab is actually not a horrible place to be in. I know it's kind of crazy. There's still half the season left, but I feel like that's not too bad. Uh, to to your I point, sorry to interrupt you, but to your point, I'm in the upper half of my league. Um, one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six. I'm seven, so I'm right there in the middle, uh, which is crazy. Usually at this point in the year, going into the break, 153 bucks would put you last or second to last, probably in most leagues. But we've seen an increase in spending this year that is undeniable, and I do. I don't think it's just anecdotal to people's individual leagues. I think that is permeating. Uh, across the fantasy industry, particularly NFBC. I think there's been more focus on fab, you know, fab articles, fab, po fab podcasts, people understanding that you can really make big moves and the whole prospect a week nature. It's just played out this way where there's a stud prospect damn near every single week for like the first 10 weeks in the season, oftentimes more than one. So everybody's been able to get in, everybody's spending some of their money. And there you go in most leagues, um, you know, nobody has more than say four or 500 bucks left. Uh, and a lot of people are down under 250 already, which is pretty rare. I think that's like exactly what you said. Every single week, there's been a guy coming up or two guys coming up, whether it was, you know, Mason Miller earlier in the year, Yuri Perez, Gavin Williams, Ellie, you could all go the Cleveland guys, every, yeah, every, the entire <laughs> guardians pitching staff. And I feel like maybe this isn't how it works in every league, but in most leagues, you know, multiple different people had one big guy that they ended up getting you know whether they exactly got one ellie share or one yuri share or however it worked or maybe an abbott share which is looking very good right now and that was like their big spend i don't know how many people were able to get two or three of those big targets but i think most people at least got one of them did, did you get one teams. did you end up getting a cornerstone i got i got abbott in i think oh, it was tgfbi nice. where i got abbott for, I think I overpaid a little bit. I think I paid 160, 170, but I was okay with it. I needed pitching. Mm -hmm. And especially now with Kershaw uh, going yeah. down, I definitely needed that. I got it's, Ellie it's in. It's annual, though. You know, it's annual uh, outage for, for, for Kershaw. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, especially around the All Star break, you kind of figured that was going to happen. Yeah, makes it easy. Uh, um, and I did get one Ellie share. I got Ellie in, was it my, it was a main event qualifier where I ended up getting oh, Ellie. Fantastic. So, yeah, not that it really is going to matter, probably. I think I'm 12th there. Okay. But then, I mean, with no overall, you can maybe make a push in the second half. But Yeah, you can start to like punt cat a category or two if, if you yeah. think that that is your best avenue to, to going for it. Yeah, so uh, that's awesome that you were able to still get some guys. I got I got Taj Bradley, uh, which started off feeling all right, but is has taken a bit of a downturn here. I paid a buck eighty three out for him, so out of a thousand dollar bid. And for those that don't know and play the play the NFBC, the main event main event qualifier at TGFBI that we're talking about. Unless a prospect was drafted and then subsequently cut back into the pool, they can't be picked up until they debut. 
and then they're available the following Sunday for bid. That's why it's created these these big moments each week with these prospects. Whereas I know in like Yahoo and ESPN leagues, a lot of times you can just go pick up the prospect right away. Or if you do daily runs of Fab, you're not seeing these these event like Fabs. But that's what creates the uh, the the moments like that in the NFBC. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Do you like how they do that, love or would it. you prefer to be able to stash the prospects? Nope, fully love it. Yeah. Um, I I think. I've heard some people talking about, and I don't, I don't think there's viability to this, but it's an interesting thing to think about. I've heard some people saying that they were going to spend like maybe their last two picks next year on some like far reaching prospects, guys that almost have no chance to break, but could be the Ellie where it's like, oh my God, if they really came up uh, in June, they could be game changers. Purposely draft them and cut them so that they are then in the free agent pool for them to kind of come around later and try to try to buy cheap and spike them early without having to wait for the crush of free agency. Now, that's probably more effort than it's worth, but it would be interesting. And I, I, I'm curious to see if I, the people who I've talked to about that follow through on it next year and take like, I don't know, Jackson Chorio. I, obviously, he could change his fate and, and be on the cusp next year, but let's just say that he is more of a guy that we think is a midseason guy. Do you draft him with your 30th round pick knowing you're going to cut him instantly? There's going to be some talent on the wire to get. So you get a Tommy Pham like substance, then Chorio's out there and then you try to play the waiting game and, and time it perfectly. The tough part would be you could be giving your league mates an edge because there's no guarantees that you get him back. Right. And what if you jump too soon and then you're trying to hold the guy? So it's a flawed uh, strategy, but I do think it'd be interesting to see somebody try to run it. I think it was Vlad Sedler. I could be wrong. I think it was Vlad, though, who I don't know if he drafted Ellie, but he was able to pick him up before he was recalled for like six bucks or eight bucks or something like that. But it saved a, a lot Jealous. of money because uh, he was going for, I think he might have been the highest average fab bid this year. I think it was Ellie. I believe it. Uh, um, I he, he was, it did happen in my league with Ellie, um, th- this exact thing. And given where my offense was it's funny because this this was a week where i actually made a bunch of moves and they were all kind of small moves he was picked up on may 14th for 57 bucks um and i picked up dom fletcher brendan donovan michael massey like i was making moves but i needed guys who could who were playing right then and there i just i couldn't afford a stash obviously hindsight it was the right move but would i have been able to wait three more weeks he didn't he didn't debut until the sixth so it would have been great. Hats off to the person that did that in my league. Let's see where they're where they're at in the standings. Let's see how much it's benefited. Grab some pine. They are. I'm I'm ahead of them. I'm an eighth. Or they're an eighth. I'm in sixth. So I made their. No, I'm just I'm kidding. But let's see where they were when they picked them up. May 14th, they were they were in tenth. So they had to wait for them for three weeks. And now, obviously, one player can only do so much. But they've slowly moved up. And uh, I wonder if that will end up paying major dividends. If he has a huge second half and they get some pitching to go their way, I mean, it could be great. But, yeah, there were a handful of leagues like that where Ellie was drafted because I think he had a big spring. So some people were taking him as a 29th, 30th round pick, and then it was clear he wasn't going to make it. So then he's just kind of hanging out in the pool. And then you have to figure, when do you want to jump? And uh, May 14th was a pretty good time because, yeah, you did have to wait three weeks, but – if you could afford the stash, then obviously it's more than paid for itself at fifty-seven bucks. Oh my God! Yeah, that might that's gonna be one of the cheaper bids for sure. See, I did a similar thing with Matt Mervis. Uh, I thought I was so smart. I bid, I don't know, it was a very modest twenty, thirty dollar bid a week or two before he got called up, and I thought I was such a genius. And I don't even know if he was bad in a hundred in the bigs. Like it was bad. It well, was that, really bad. 
that's the other side of the strategy too. Like yeah. what if they don't pan out, but your process is right. Of course. Right. I like picking up Mervis at that price and you know, I, I chastised them when they got 500 first baseman to block Mervis off chastised them again when they didn't really call him up uh, for a while. And then he played terribly. And I'm like, I'm not going to say 99 plate appearances mean the Cubs were, means the Cubs were right and I'm wrong, but maybe they know their guy a little bit more than we do. And may, maybe they're onto something with him not necessarily being ready. We need more plate appearances to see where he's at, but I still like Mervis. I would still be interested in picking him back up if he comes back up at some point. Yeah. Do you think, do you think they'll clear a path for him via some trades? Um, I mean, they're 39 and 45, they're not dead. So I don't think that they would be doing like dump trades, but is there a world where they move a guy or two that creates an opening and you would jump back in on Mervis? Are, are you back, would you be back in on him if, if, if there was a, a clear path and it looked like he was gonna get called back up? Yeah, I wouldn't 15 teamers, uh, like NFBC style. I don't know if, you know, 10, 12 team. No, like, definitely yeah, not there, but 15, yeah. But. But in an NFBC kind of format, yeah. Who are they trotting out at first? Is it Bellinger? Jared Young time? right now. Another another prospect, Jared Young. Um, he looks like he's running the strong side platoon with Patrick Wisdom. He's got a homer and a steal in 21 plate appearances with a 146 WRC plus. Obviously a minuscule sample to judge anything off of, but he is hitting for some pop. Oh, he has two triples as well, which of course is very anomalous. And that's why he has a 6'11 slug. So Jared Young, I don't know how long, he's 28. So he's not even really a prospect. He's like kind of a, a suspect. That that doesn't speak well for Mervis though, that they would rather play Jared Young over him. Now, since going back down, Mervis is hitting 293, 408, 561, but he was doing that before the call up too. So yeah. I don't know, is he a, the classic quad a guy where he's too good for triple a but not good enough for the majors i don't know and there's also been people that say that that's not really a thing i get what you're going for when you say quad a but uh i'm not i'm not out on nervous i would like to see him get called back up and see what he can do in the summer people say that's not really a thing and then joe adele just exists so exists exactly <laughs> like i i i wish i could find the article is old this was a long time ago somebody did a good article saying like yeah that's not really a thing what you really mean is that they're they're just not good enough for the majors they're probably not too good for triple a it was a whole breakdown but yeah you look at joe adele he steamrolls triple a and then every time he comes up he is just completely overmatched in the majors i root for him i really do but i don't i don't even jump to pick him up anymore when he gets his call-ups dating back to last year i'm just like nope i've seen enough for now it's i'm in the wait and see the funniest thing about it joe adele's 24. I still wouldn't even be that surprised if he panned out. He's not toast, but we've been, he's been in our fantasy consciousness now for what, five, six, seven years, if you include prospect status? Yeah, uh, it's not looked great, but I mean, we can kind of foray that into one of the questions or one of the topics we're going to talk about here is the Angels in general. Uh, he's going to be given more of a run here with Mike Trout going down, and it's funny too, Paul. The last, not the last time, but the first time you were on here, which was about a year ago, we were talking about a Mike Trout injury. I remember I went back and I looked at the sheet because I thought it sounded familiar when I was putting it together. Last year was the back. This year is yep. the hand. Now, this is something that's going to require surgery, I believe, uh, from what I have seen. Between him and Otani, I think Otani wasn't very serious. It was blister. A, a blister, something with his finger. Yeah, so not that serious. What the hell's going on with the Angels? Are they a team that you think should be selling? Do you think there's a chance we see Otani get traded here? I think that's the wise move, in all honesty, because he's leaving. He's gone for nothing in a few months, unless 
I don't know. He hits his head and wants to resign there for some reason. I, I don't know why he would. Uh, but I, the way I see it is they should try and recoup as much value as they can before they get nothing for him. A Juan Soto type package and then probably even more. Uh, what say you on that subject? That's probably the right move um, because I agree that, that Otani won't be back. And uh, with the Juan Soto comp is, is kind of perfect there. The tough part, of course, is that that they are in the mix. You know, they're four games back in the wild card. I think seven or eight back in the division. But they got some teams there that I just don't think that they stack up against, namely Texas and Houston in their own division. And even with Houston not being capital letters Houston the way we've seen in recent years, they're still very good. Um, they still have tons of star talent. They'll eventually get Alvarez back. I think they'll be uh, out there making moves at, at the deadline too. So. I just don't know where this team goes from here. They're so snake-bitten. I want the Angels in the playoffs so badly to see Trout and Otani in October. Doesn't look like we're going to get it this year. I do think they have to listen to offers for him because if somebody comes with a uh, Soto-esque deal, I think you got to do it. Yeah, I'm absolutely there. Now, in terms of Mike Trout, between the chronic back injury, now he's got the hand problem. He's already kind of had a bit of a down year for Mike Trout standards anyway, batting 260. Are we going to see a steep decline now for Mike Trout? Do you think we have seen the best? I mean, we've probably seen his best. We've seen the best. We've seen the best, but I have a hard time burying him in any tangible way. I, I still think, like, what, he's a second, maybe third rounder. Um, depending on how much he comes back this year and what he does. Yeah, the average is down big, 20 points this year, down to 263, and well off of his 301 career pace, but still 18 homers, a couple steals. Steal, he doesn't really run anymore, so that's not really part of his game, but 54 runs, 44 driven in. Uh, he is at 81 games, so you can do the easy pace and just double it. Now, that's only 88 ribbies, right? So that, that kind of speaks to the batting average being down for Trout, not getting those ancillary runs driven in. But he's still a stud. Um, we have to see the makeup of that team next year, though, too. With Otani almost certainly gone, what kind of supporting cast is Trout going to have? That said, as far as the talent, when he's on the field, I'm not going to doubt Trout. And as the price lowers, more commensurate with the trout that we have here in his 30s, I'll still be interested in buying. And he'll be kind. He'll become kind of like a hitting Kershaw, where you just don't plan for anything more than say 130 games, and you kind of work from there with uh, with Trout. But I think he's still going to be a premier talent unless the 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 injuries just eat up his body. I don't think we're there yet, though. That's a great comp. You know, like the the batting version of Kershaw. You know, Kershaw is going to throw about 120 innings maybe 140 uh maybe that's kind of what we see out of trout going forward i think if we're going to go down the road of are we going to trade otani if they do actually trade otani why not trade trout and fully tear it down i mean the fan base would probably burn the stadium down but do you think that would make sense from a you know from a business standpoint like if they're not they're already not competitive with both of them if you trade otani it's it's a write-off why True. bother trout into his 30s when he's going to be declining i think it'd be hard I don't know if you get enough for him because he still has the contract. So a team's yeah. going to be like, we're not going to give you five prospects and pay him 37 mil a year for eight more years. Yeah. So what are you really going to get there? Like, even though Otani's a rental, you're still going to get a mint for him because he's Shohei freaking Otani. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Again, I'm not really worried about the finger blister right now. So I think it's harder with Trout. I think you keep him. You ride it out. He should still be good for at least it's it's seven years left, not eight. Seven years after this year, I think four of the seven you can probably feel good about, just in general. But it's always tough 
32 to 38. The, those are the ages that he'll be on that deal. Uh, because once you get into your 30s and with the injuries piling up for Trout, there are no guarantees. I just don't think they could get enough trade uh, enough trade juice to justify it. I think you roll with Trout. You still kind of build around him, but you do take on you know the big prospect deal that you can get for Otani, whatever that may be, uh, and then you you trade pretty much whatever you can right now, right? Like, listen, yeah. I, as much as I love Patrick Sandoval, um, he has been disappointing this year, and he does have team control. But I think you consider trading somebody like that. I mean, you keep Reed Detmers, you probably keep Sandoval too, but. I wouldn't be against trading him. Um, obviously, you flip Tyler Anderson for some C-plus level prospect. You trade Estevez. Uh, you trade Hunter Renfro. Rendon's not going to bring anything with his money. Um, you trade Taylor Ward, who's 29. and I, I do like him. He's actually underperformed this year quite a bit, but I think you flip him. I think you can tear it down, but just, I think you got to keep Trout. It's, it's too difficult to deal him and get value. At least trading Otani, yes, it's going to piss everybody off, understandably, but you should be able to get a mint back. You can at least use the Soto deal as a blueprint. Now, you said Soto Plus. But with Otani being a rental versus Soto being a year plus, I wonder if it might just match or even yeah. be a little bit lesser than the Soto deal push come to shove with, with the Otani trade. I'm trying to remember the Soto trade. It was James Wood. It was Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Robert and Hassel. Hassel. Those were the four. There was Yar, um, Yarlan Sosa, uh, Susana, I believe, was also in there. Uh, yeah. uh, just a live arm for down in the minors. So, like, I think you look at – I think Wood is the best of that bunch right now with – abrams and gore being right there as major league viable guys i think you get one of a wood hassle type and then maybe maybe two major league type guys like abrams and gore with a big time prospect i think that's what you can you should be able to get for otani i don't know the right team for that because um you know will it be a team that thinks that they can sign him to obviously a lot of people have put him on the dodgers do the Dodgers go ahead and get him for this half season and pay dra uh, trade capital? Or do they just wait and say, we'll buy him, and we then we don't have to give you, you know, Gavin Stone, Gavin Lux. And do they have a third Gavin? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, Gavin Stone, Gavin Lux, and Johnny DeLuca. Now, I don't know if they would trade somebody coming back from an ACL, if that would be enough. Although, that'd be an interesting buy low for the end. Would you do that? Would you do Gavin's Stone and Lux with Johnny DeLuca for Otani if you if you were the Angels? Not if you were the Dodgers. What if you were the Angels? Would you do that? Uh, my knowledge of prospects is admittedly not amazing, but that okay. just feels light. It feels light, though. Like It does, but it, it is does. a rental. Yeah. I don't know if that, for me, would be enough as Moreno or whoever's actually pulling the strings there to say – Yes, I'm going to take the bad PR for for, for that. A, yeah, but could be a decent little package. But I just feel like the Angels have backed themselves into such a corner here because I think what you said makes a lot of sense. Try and trade Otani and then maybe build around Trout. But realistically, let's say you trade Otani, you get three or four 20, 21 year olds. Their timeline is not really going to match up with Mike Trout. So by the time they're actually in the big leagues and producing, you know, I've seen it here in Toronto. You know, Bichette and Guerrero and you know Biggio was supposed to be a part of that group as well. And that young yeah. group, they come up. It takes a few years, regardless of your Absolutely. sport. Regardless of your sport, you know, LeBron James didn't win a title until he was like 27 or 28. It took him like eight years. It's not always the same way in different sports, but you're looking at probably several, several years until those guys will pan out. By that point, Trout's 34, 35. They've backed themselves into a corner here, and it's just it's really tough to see them being successful over these next couple That's, of years. Their, their pitching is bare. You know, it's just oh, it's that, really tough. I love Detmers. Don't get me wrong. Detmers um, is I, great. And again, 
I still, I still ride for Sandoval, even though he has disappointed me greatly this year. I cut him ages ago, so I'm not saying you should be holding him still, but I still like him long-term. Canning's interesting, but like Detmers is the only dude there yeah. besides Otani. Um, that's why I think they do need to find somebody who can offer a an Abrams-Gore type of players. That's why I mentioned Lux, somebody who would be there ready to go next year. Of course, yeah. you don't know off the ACL, but I agree with you because if you get a bunch of kids are they going to be ready for trout are they going to is it going to be like kids coming up to play with cabrera the way we have in detroit right now so i do think you need to find a team that has those guys that are on the cusp that might not be on prospect lists anymore like abrams and gore but that are very much still prospects in the nature that they haven't panned out yet type of deals so again what team is that um is it a team like, actually, I think most of their prospects are young. I was going to say, is it a team like Texas that pushes in, uh, especially losing to Grom? Do they go hard with it? But then who do you really give there? Because their number one prospect is Josh Young. It ain't going to be him. They need him. Yeah. He's a centerpiece right now. So I, mean, I, I don't know if they have the capital. Uh, what about, I mean. Kumar's injured, right? Yeah, he's injured. Jack Leiter doesn't look like a dude right now. And if I'm trading Otani, I think I need the centerpiece to be a hitter. And you mentioned that the the LA deal that I made up was light. Uh, I'm also a Lux stan, and so yeah. I want to point that out. And I was actually tabbing him for a very big breakout year this year. So uh, maybe that's a little too too light there. You know what would be interesting? Mm. And I don't think it's – I don't know if it's the right move to cash in some young chips yet. But what about Cincinnati? Because they're calling up, they're calling up a stud a week, and they still got studs coming, dude. Christian and Canarsion Strand can't buy a spot right now because they don't have a spot for him. Not because he's not good. Um, you've still got Edwin Arroyo and Noelve Marte as middle infielders with all the guys you've already called up: Cruz, De La Cruz, McLean, Steer. Um, Cam Collier is a baby. He could be the baby piece of that deal, maybe. Like a Chase Petty is younger. I mean, they got prospects for days. I think. It would be interesting. It would it be too short sighted to cash in some chips, probably. But would he wouldn't be... resign there. He wouldn't go back. No, to no. So it, you are looking at it as a rental. So yeah. what if it ends up being Noel de Marte, Encarnacion Strand, and like a Chase Pet, just an arm, like a, a decent arm that is in their say seven to fifteen prospect range. I don't know their system well enough to say who that would be. Chase Petty's the only name I can think of. But what if it's something like that, Noelve? Marte, who is a big time prospect, um, who was oh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and then a pitcher, Lion Richardson, uh, um, Chase Petty, somebody like that. Would you do that if you're the Reds? Mm, yes, if I'm the Reds, I think I would. Yeah, because you're not impacting the major league roster. You're already a team that looks like it could compete. Maybe Otani comes. He likes the young culture. And maybe you can convince him to stay. I, well, the I problem really is, doubt it. I don't think the owner would pay for him to stay. So even if he loved, uh, Cincinnati and, and took a liking to poop spaghetti for some reason. Sorry, Skyline Chili. That's, that's garbage, y'all. I, I don't want to hear it, Cincinnati fans. But um, even if he just was a, adoring the poop spaghetti, I don't think that the owner would pony up for him. So again, we have to look at this as a pure rental. Yeah. Now, would that be enough for you if you're the Angels? Because I think that one actually does have some heat. If be. I go Marte, CES, and an arm, I don't know. That, that kind of moves the needle for me. Mar Marte looks like it could be a dude it certainly could i would just be so nervous about taking zero major league experience i agree as as good as you know the prospect pedigree is very high strand looks like he's going to be amazing yep 
uh, Marte could potentially be. He was the centerpiece of, I believe, the Castillo trade. Correct. Uh, Correct. But they made a couple trades, so I kind of forget. But I, I think there's still a lot of risk there. Another team that's kind of in that same boat is Baltimore. Yes. Like, what if the package is D.L. Hall, Kowser, and... I don't know, throw another piece. Something else, yeah. Uh, Cade Povey. Again, again, just throw in a third arm that's like a third piece that is good, but not the top of the scale. Yeah, Um, yeah. and then you are getting some major league experience, especially with Kowser being called up recently. Uh, Maybe the trade happens in a couple weeks, so he's played in the majors. Hall's been up. I don't know. I think they're both interesting. Like, I love that you brought up Baltimore because they're parallels for each other, I think, Baltimore and Cincy. I think Baltimore's ahead of the curve on them, but Cincy's trying to follow their pattern. And so, like, last year, Baltimore threatened, and they were they were a good team for a while, but they didn't quite make the grade for the playoffs. I think that's where Cincy's going to end up this year because I don't think they have enough arms. Yeah. And then next year, they should take the big step forward. Baltimore, I think it makes more sense for Baltimore because they're in second. Now, Cincy's leading their division, so you're like, well, why aren't they better? I just don't think they have enough juice with the arms. I'm sorry, y'all. Green and um, – Lodolo are August timelines. Abbott just can't do it all on his own. But I like what Baltimore's got going. And I know their arms are kind of a no-name group, but I love Bradish and Tyler Wells. Gibson, Kramer, and Irvin, none of them are studs, but they all kind of get the job done. They'll give you five, six innings pretty regularly. Uh, and you replace one of them with Otani. I think they could be a really interesting fit. I don't think they want to move in the chips, but... I also think Baltimore could make a case to spend too and actually really try to court Otani. Now, I don't think he's going to go to Baltimore, but between Cincy and Baltimore, as far as looking forward of could they actually keep him, I think Baltimore has an exponentially higher chance than Cincy just because of the ownership groups there. Baltimore has shown that they'll pay at times, uh, whereas Cincy, they're t- tight purse strings. They're kind of a-holes, so I don't think that they would even consider it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he wants to re-sign in either location. I think he wants to stay on the West Coast. Wants to stay on the West, yeah. Ideally, it's, yeah. But what if Steve I, Cohen just opens up the purse strings and gives him six hundred million dollars or something? I think he New might. York always New in York. play, right? I think yeah. both New Yorks always going to be in play. Um, I agree with you that he's probably going to look more toward the LA, uh, maybe even Seattle. I, know, I wonder if they could get in on it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they have a, a great Asian culture, and so I think they were also very much in the mix to get him. Uh, uh, when when he was originally coming over, so I could see that, but I do think New York is that that East Coast uh, side that could really get in there. And of course, both New Yorks have as much money as you could think of, and getting Otani is exactly what the Yankees always seem to do, and the Mets at least recently seem to be interested in that. So I could see him going to a New York. Um, it's hard to get beyond the big dogs, though the two New Yorks, the Dodgers. Seattle is is a bit more of a big dog than I think people think because they do have the money. They don't they don't go spending it on that same level as those teams, but they've got the juice. And I wonder, like, would Boston get in on the mix? Mm. They could. I mean, maybe. they're a big time team. Obviously, they're they're total blue blood. Is it worth it for them to try to sign him next year? I mean, they just um, convinced Yoshida to come, so maybe there's some kind of Japanese connection that they could pull there somehow. I'm not sure. I mean, Seattle, like you said, I mean, there's the Ichiro connection. There's the big Japanese culture, so I think that would make sense. Another team that I heard kicked around, well, we'll move on from Otani in a second because a sure. lot of Otani talk. But, I, I mean, I, I could talk about Otani. It's hard not to, yeah. The whole He's day. the greatest player we've ever seen um, in our lifetimes and might go down as the best player in baseball history. I don't even think that's hyperbolic at all. Oh, you could easily make that argument that if he retired today, he should go to Cooperstown. I, I think that – Yeah, just based off the few seasons he put up because of how special they are. But what, what was that other team that you heard? 
I heard the Braves, just because their payroll is so low. They're willing to spend. Anthopolis is a genius. I wish Toronto. Anthopolis is great. I wish yep. he had never left Toronto. As soon as he came, 2013 or so was when he got promoted. That's when the team saw some success. He left down in the shitter again. He signs these contracts that are just ridiculously team friendly. I saw some tweet that was went viral that was talking about the payrolls for the Mets, and it's like Lindor, it's Scherzer, silly. and Verlander equals Acuna, Albies, and the Braves. Yeah. Actually, the Braves, yeah, which is just crazy. So they've kept payroll so far down with such a competitive roster. If you had Otani in there, it's it's. I mean, they'll could he convince Liberty Media to do it though? Uh, that would be his biggest feat, right? Like, he gets these players to sign these great deals, and honestly, outside of the Albies one, that's the only one I think is really egregious as far as like the player really got screwed. And hey, it's thirty-five million dollars is still life-changing money, even over the course of seven years. And that's Albies said, "Hey, I changed my family's life forever. Get off my back. I signed it. You know, I don't want to hear about it." And and to that, I I, I respect that. But his agent should be fired. He he should have gotten way more. But even like the Acuna deal, yes, Acuna is worth more than that now. But he got a hundred million dollars. There is no wrong one hundred million dollar deal from a player perspective, even if they're giving up some potential value. But with all that great surplus value they have, it would be in Liberty Media's best interest to actually open up the purse strings on Otani, and they could become the juggernaut of the league and and like make four straight World Series type of deal. I don't know if they'd win them all because you just never know in October, but that's the kind of thing that they could do is is really just take over the league again the way they did back in the 90s with all their pitching. This time it would be with hitting leading the way, but also still great pitching. I love Max Fried. Strider's a god. Uh, Bryce Elder's a nice mid-rotation guy. They got guys coming up. We'll see if Michael Soroka can get healthy again. So And Kyle Wright as well. So yeah, that would be interesting. I think Atlanta should, if they're smart, Right, if Liberty yeah. Media has a brain, they should really figure out uh, uh, if the if the logistics work because they're saving so much money on so many great guys. Yeah, you take that money that you should have been paying everybody else, and I mean maybe not should have been. It's well, yeah, part but, of the but, team, but it, it, in most cases you would be paying them, but yeah. they happen to work these deals and credit to them. But use that use that surplus, right? Don't just sit on it and say, "Hey, we've got this great team for cheap." turn it into getting an Otani without crippling yourselves. Yeah, most teams aren't paying $5 million a year for Ozzy Albies, who looks like he's going to hit 40 home runs this season. Wow, uh, Albies. He had so two of them good. yesterday. He's he's great. He was discounted pretty heavily. He's back, yeah. And, and he's I, fully back. I get it. 64 games, it wasn't great. But this is why track records matter, right? And I'm not just hindsight on this. I was in on Albies, but I've, I've been an Albies guy. You know, you and I were talking about Eno, Saris uh, offline, just some idle conversation that we had uh, he put me on albies early and i have not left that train ever since i just i love the guy i think he's a great player and i'm glad he's back this year i am surprised he's not running a bit more just because the rules have been tailor-made to uh, make it easier he is six for six which is great but i'll take the 22 homers 264 average 46 runs and 63 ribbies all day even if he doesn't steal another base the rest of the way Oh, yeah. And I think I was looking at him yesterday, the day before. I think five of his six deals have come in the last month. So maybe he's picking so maybe, it up a little bit. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, with guys that, like, too often we assume if a guy's playing every day that they're 100% healthy. Well, that's not true. Guys can be playing at 85, 90%, which, you know, you're still able to play every day. You can do a lot of things. But if it's a lower half injury, well, then you don't want to run. You don't want to create potential to exacerbate an injury. So maybe, and I don't know for sure, I'm just saying maybe Albies was dealing with some nagging stuff. And now he's saying, okay, I feel much better. And he's five for five in June. And maybe he runs wild here the rest of the way. That'd be great. But even if he doesn't, the power, 
production with a decent 264 batting average is more than enough to make Albies a top. I mean, he's been a top 20 player this year easily, maybe even higher. And I think rest away, I would put him as a top 30 overall player. Yeah, no discount next year with Ozzy Albies for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned sometimes players are not always playing 100%. Sometimes it's 80, sometimes it's 85, whatever it is. That brings us to Alec Manoa, where I think that that's a potential possibility of something. And I, I don't know for sure. They've never announced this. It just yeah. seems to make sense that there was something up with Alec Manoa. I bring him up because if you guys haven't heard, I'm sure you have by now. But he'll be starting Friday against Paul's Tigers in Comerica, I believe. Yes. Are you picking him up? Are you sitting him? Are you starting him? Are you interested at all at this point? Uh, as a Toronto guy, I'm hoping for some good news here. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, on Alec Manoa for the second half? Or even not even just the second half, just for this one start? Just in general, yeah, my, uh, for this next start here. My fandom of Manoa puts me back in for yeah. sure. Uh, he's a guy I like. I root for. He seems like a really good dude. I don't know him from Joe, but, you know, from the interviews and stuff that we get publicly – he seems like a cool guy. And so I root for him. And this has been a bummer to watch because it's a complete meltdown. And we just don't see this kind of fall off. And that's why your notion that maybe there was something nagging dealing that he was dealing with and just trying to play through instead of telling the team, hey, I need to be out right now. Because that's that can be the downside of that gamer mentality. Some guy, Sometimes guys push themselves too much at the detriment of the team. Um, but with Manoa, look, I, I don't want to be a total wet blanket. I know he K'd 10 at the double A start. He had a 50% ball rate, which is horrible. He still walked a bunch of guys, so I am still nervous. That said, my beloved Tigers are not a particularly threatening offense, and I do believe that I'm open to picking up Manoa and starting him in deeper formats. In in 12s, um, I'm probably picking up and stashing just in case he turns it around. But in 15s, I think I would give him the start. And I, I just kind of want to see where it's at. I tend to have a wider band of guys that I will start, especially in the first half, you know, earlier part of the year. Obviously, things narrow as the season moves on, and I don't want to I don't want to take on that 10 run bomb, which he could definitely deliver. But at least I would have the second half of the season to try to fix that from Manoa if he does happen to get clobbered. If he does get smashed here, then I do think that, uh, you know, for example, if you if you can't pick a guy up until Sunday, if he gets smashed here, I don't think I would pick up Manoa. I, I would I would be concerned that nothing's really been fixed. But if he is even decent, right, uh, say six innings, four runs, five strikeouts, which is not like a thrilling outing. Even something like that would get me back in on Manoa. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that ball percentage, though. If he's if he's building up a 2-2-3-2 count to every damn batter, I'm going to be nervous about Manoa. But generally speaking, I am in in the deeper formats. I feel like there just has to be an injury just because the, the control is a huge part of it. Last year we are talking about a, an amazing 6.5% walk rate. Yep. This year yeah. we're looking at fifteen percent walk rate. Like we could draw a walk off of him for God's uh, sakes. His mechanics are a mess. And you know, uh, are you in the the Earth League? So you in the? I'm not. I I almost got in this this year to the, there was a Texas opening. If there's a Texas opening next year, I'm getting in because the Earth so, Leagues seem like a lot of fun. So I'm in the Canadian one, and the group chat is essentially just an Alec Manoa chat at this point. <laughs> Because that's all we talk about. And there was a big fight yesterday between a couple of guys who will remain unnamed here. Um, We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. But big fight broken out between a couple of guys because some people think that it's too soon, that Manoa's not actually right yet. The other side of that coin is who the hell are we to tell a major league team what they're doing? 
Uh, you know, we're essentially just sitting on our couches trying to armchair quarterback the, the exactly. situation. But it does feel kind of soon. It feels like they it should does. have given him the all-star break. Give him the all-star break to reset, a couple more starts, and then bring him back up. I, I, I don't really understand the, the rush. And the point that was brought up a few times is that this is very eerily reminiscent of Ricky Romero. You know, I, I heard that comp yesterday, actually, in my, my Twitch chat. Someone brought that up. And that's brutal. another guy that I had a, a huge fan crush on. I loved Ricky Romero. And he was just decimated by injuries. Command was gone, and, and he was a comet, man. He, he burned brightly for a moment, and then he was, he was cooked. And he, from what I remember, pitched through an injury that he didn't tell the Jays about, and he made yep. it worse. And there was one year where he went to the All-Star game. I think he, he may have even started the All-Star game, or he was coming in in the second inning. He was like in contention to start. He came into the All-Star break with like a two ERA. He was amazing. And then down the stretch, like I think he finished that year after going to the first half with like a two-something ERA with like a six ERA. Uh, it was dreadful, and he never, got, he never recovered from there. And I'm hoping that we're not going down that same road with Alec Manoa because it's I don't even want to say it, but it does it's, look like we are heading down that road with Alec Manoa. It's and a valid a, concern. And as a Jays fan, uh, it absolutely breaks my heart. But do you think that that's something that is more likely than not going to happen here? I mean, he's still so young. It's really hard to, to nail down. He's a very tricky pitcher, I think, to quantify. He's you know outperformed his advanced metrics these last couple of years. Strikeout rate has gone down every, every year uh, in the big leagues. Went from 40 to 27 to 23 to 17. Is this just a situation where he was maybe never as good as we thought he was? And that's always been kind of the disconnect with Manoa. And I, I talk about, you know, heart versus head, my fandom versus what my brain and what the data tells me. Yeah. I love the guy like Manoa, but at the same time, I've seen the warning signs. I never thought he was going to be this bad here. I'm not trying to take credit or back pat like I avoided him because I saw a blow up coming. Yeah. I did avoid him because I was worried that he was going to be more of an upper threes, low fours ERA guy. He's a 636. I did, again, I did not see this. It has been interesting how he's maintained like a 380-something Sierra with some really good ERAs, um, and then this year everything crumbles. I don't think anything in those Sierra or FIP total, whatever, a Sierra is skill interactive ERA, for those that don't know. It's another stat like FIP or XFIP, XERA, whatever. It's an ERA estimator based on his core skills for Manoa. Um, Nothing in those 380 numbers that he put up in 21 and 22 suggested that this was coming. This is completely anomalous. You could be his uh, uh, Manoa's biggest detractor, and there is no universe where you saw this coming. Unless you were on record saying, and I just simply won't believe somebody that says they saw this coming. That's what makes it so tough, though. We have no idea what this, like, is he playing through injury? Is he somebody who would just say, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, just let me work through it, work through it, instead, and be too proud to say, no, I need to be down and out for a while. I do understand the concerns that Manoa is being brought back too quickly. 10Ks, boom, he's automatically back. 50% ball rate in that double-A start, it seems like it's uh, early. Is it because y'all don't have anybody else to turn to? Yes, we have no, the cupboard is bare. The cupboard is absolutely bare in the minor leagues. Like if he had stayed healthy and not got hurt, I think maybe Tiedemann would have got a chance. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't pitched since May fourth. If he'd been putting up quality outings and kind of you know working through things and tightening up his command, maybe he would be the guy to at least get a spot start here. But yeah, I just think they don't have anything. So I I, I agree with the talk of of Manoa being a bit rushed here. It doesn't mean it can't work. You hope that the team has his best interests in mind and sees enough here that they can uh, get something out of him. But this is very dicey and it's it's uncharted waters. Yeah. You know, another name that people have 
at least invoked a little bit, at least in terms of trying to have some hope here, is Roy Halladay. Yes. Um, he went. He was sent down all the way to the low minors as well. It was to work with a famed pitching coach named Mel Queen back in 2000. He worked his way back up. The rest is history. He's a Hall of Famer. We have no idea if that's going to happen with Manoa. Uh, Halliday at the time also didn't have two pretty full seasons of work under his belt. He had one uh, hybrid 149-inning season, 1990, or 99 rather, spent between the uh, rotation and bullpen under his belt, and that was it. So not really the same kind of story, but that does help people have a glimmer of hope. I think he's much closer to the Ricky Romero situation, though, and I am very nervous about Manoa. So... Pick him up and stash because the upside is there, but don't be afraid to just cut bait if he doesn't do well against the Tigers. I'm going to hold on to that, uh, to the Roy Halladay comp because I've heard that too. I'm going to, I'm a, I'm a Toronto guy. I'm a, I'm a homer. Absolutely no question. Uh, I'm going to lean into that one and hope that we get uh, a closer version of Roy Halladay's career than Ricky Romero. Manoa's a young guy. I know the Yankees fans hate him and some people don't like him because he's kind of got that big personality, but good. It's yeah, honestly, I love I've always thought there's something intangible there. And honestly, I, I thought it before this, but once you saw him in the All-Star game last year, you got John Smoltz in his ear telling him throw a slider, throw this, throw that. And he struck out the side. It's just like That's wow. Awesome. You got a lot of pressure. You got one of the greatest pitchers ever talking in your ear, telling you what to pitch. And I think he responded one time, like Smoltz told him to throw something, and Mano was like, oh, yeah, that's sexy. You're sexy. <laughs> something like that. It's like he just has that confidence, which, I mean, he probably doesn't have right now. Sure. But I really, really hope that he gets it back because, I mean, I know I'm biased as all hell here, but one of the more exciting uh, pitchers, I think, in baseball. Despite I totally the, agree. The fact that he's kind of not the most exciting on the mound necessarily. He doesn't strike out a ton of batters. He doesn't throw 100. But he got that dog in him, right? And I know that's an the intangible dog. thing that has become a meme. You know, everyone talks, it has the little uh, x-ray picture that shows like a dog there. But he does have that dog in him, that bulldog mentality. And again, that can be a negative if Manoa is indeed pushing through an injury that he should, you know, be giving into more. That's where that can hurt you. But in every other aspect, it's it's pretty much a, a net positive. Uh, we'll just have to see here if he's healthy and ready to go. But I agree with you. They should have gone through the break. Um, I mean, I don't know. Just start some rando from triple. Do a bullpen game. Teams do like 50 bullpen games a year, it feels like. Just do a bullpen game. Don't for You're facing the Tigers. Just let Dave Steve come back and pitch, for God's sakes. Well, that's the thing with the bullpen game. It was actually kind of funny that Toronto was the first team in Major League Baseball this season to have a sixth starting pitcher go, uh, somebody outside of their opening season rotation. They went with mm -hmm. the initial five guys for the first, almost the whole half, first half of the season. And then when Manoa shit himself, that they had to go to Trevor Richards. And he's actually been pretty good, Trevor Richards, but it's yeah. not a long-term option, really. I mean, he used to be a starter. Maybe you stretch him back out. But like I was mentioning earlier, there's – I think the reason they're going back to Manoa is because there's just nobody else. Bowden, Francis. I agree. A couple of guys that are. Yeah, it, it's randos. Randos. I mean, we're, 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 we're waiting here with bated breath for Hunjin Ryu to come back. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was kind of ugly for him the last, I don't know if it was a whole year, but the last few months anyway of his Jays tenure was really rough. So I don't know if that's something we should really be hoping for, but just kind of the situation we're in we don't have any pitching prospects and i hope that we kind of restore the cupboard at some point because we can't do this forever i mean you know uh, gosman is here for a couple of years bass is getting older brios is good this year but it, i mean I, you need to have pitching prospects you need to have better pitching prospects than what we got going on because when a situation like this happens there's nobody to turn to who do you turn to yeah brutal and it's absolutely you, brutal you gotta have those 
45 50 grade on the 2080 scale guys that you can turn to to eat up some innings a guy that uh, i'm reminded of as a tigers fan last year is bo brisky you know who, who just some rando like not some major prospect but he came up he ate up 81 and two-thirds innings with a 419 era and that was useful for the tigers right now the jays don't have anybody like that to turn to and they just need a brisky or two that they can turn to um instead of just having to rush manoa but again to put a cap on it i'm hoping that he does well even against my favorite team just because i do root for him yeah i'm hoping so speaking of your favorite team though there is some kind of good news yes Tariq there is. Tariq Skubal comes back now let's pump the brakes a little bit it was against oakland sure we saw, we saw what can happen against oakland last week when domingo Herman did what he did <laughs> but 98 on his fastball 98 on the sinker almost throwing 90 on his slider looks promising what are we doing with Tariq Skubal are we picking him up everywhere I think we are absolutely I think you have to and it, you know today in today's fantasy game you don't really get a chance to let things stabilize statistically you got to yes. jump right away so even four it was even a shortened outing um it was four innings but it was four no hit innings with nasty looking stuff I was watching it yesterday really enjoying everything that was going on with Skubal he needs to be picked up everywhere you just have you have to see I know like you said it was Oakland sure all those factors are there but this is a guy who has track record of some some success not a lengthy record let's let's be clear uh he has 300 major league innings with a 410 era 120 whip but you're not finding much better than that on waiver wires in 15s or even 12s that much because when the 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 only thing that's really sustained the waiver wire for pitching this year has been all those prospects that have come up the regular churn of guys the fourth fifth starter types they have not netted much of anything it is these big prospects coming up and because Tariq Skubal uh, was known to be out for this long he wasn't drafted in any NFBC so he's going to be a big Sunday bid in the same vein as these prospects and so the teams that do have money left are going to be going hard and i totally get it because his upside is rich the tigers aren't a great team i've been blasting my own team here but they also get eduardo rodriguez back today so they're getting some of that pitching staff back and my boy torque is playing better that they've had some elements of hitting abanez looking decent carrie carpenter doing some things so maybe there'll be a little bit of support uh for Tariq scuble and eduardo rodriguez to even win a few games in the second half too i just hope the team can kind of tread around 500 in the second half i don't have delusions of grandeur with the ball club but i think a fully healthy tigers team can be about a 500 clip team and you can get some reasonable dubs from scuba and by the way i think he left with a um didn't he get hit uh with a comebacker or something scuba um, did yesterday what did he or am i stupid on that no I, i'm wrong on that he just it was just his pitch count he reached uh up to which is why yeah. he was out after four but yeah you got to go hard for him because uh, how many more guys are going to come up that are that could possibly do what Tariq Skubal can do? Let's spread that narrative that he left with something and keep those fab and bids. Just keep the bids down. down. Yeah, it was just uh, looks like he could go, maybe go back on the IL. I'd probably keep my bids in single digits. You he was know? holding his elbow as he walked off the mound. Look, a little looked bit. rough, man. <laughs> but Joe, Paul, why did you guys put a hundred dollar bids on, on on him if he had an elbow issue? <laughs> I just took a risk, man. I you meant ten, and I the extra zero slipped. It, I, yeah, it was supposed to be ten. <laughs> Is that what you think roughly he's going to go for, like 10%? Yeah, I mean, the tough part is, again, because everyone's spending and it kind of has passed around to where everybody's spent a bunch, there'll, there'll probably be some 200s out there out of the 1,000 bid, but I do think you got to be looking and ready to spend about a buck and a quarter uh, of your remaining $125. And if you don't have it, then you just miss out. But I, especially if he pitches well again on Sunday because he gets, he gets your J's on sunday 
and there's nothing worse than a free agent target of yours dominating on Sunday because that price is going up exponentially. Yeah. Some sneaky closer that or sneaky reliever you're hoping can become the closer, he gets a Sunday save, you're screwed. Some bench player who starts on Sunday because it's an off day for a, a star and he hits two homers, well, there goes your sneaky bid. So if Scooble dominates your Jays or or you know just does well, five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts or something, through the roof. Um, but you're going to have to pony up to get Scooble. Sunday always works like that. I was Garrett Cooper earlier in the season. I think it was two or th- maybe three straight Sundays he hit a home run, and I was just on the verge. A lot of people are just on the verge of dropping him. It's like, eh, maybe there's something Oh, yeah, something that's here. another thing, too. The Sunday cut, the guy who saves himself on a Sunday. Yeah. I had Michael Massey uh, deliver on two two straight Sundays where I was like, ah, I'll give him one more week, and I no longer have Michael Massey. Safe to say, yeah. Um, I would just ask you a few more things here before we, sure. before we get going. Uh, Aaron Judge. Now, he started hitting, I think he was hitting off a tee and hitting uh, maybe some wiffle balls and stuff like that. Are you thinking that it might be a good time to sell? I know it's not something that, in, in, a, in a trading league, of course, Now I'm not talking about Dynasty here. This is strictly from a redraft point of view. I know it's just a toe. It's not something that's probably going to hamper him too much in terms of you know hitting the ball out of the ballpark, which is what sure. you want Aaron Judge for. Now, maybe, I'm not even sure if it's his plant foot when he swings or if it's his back foot. I'm, I'm really not sure, to be honest with you. But is this something that you worry that may hinder him a little bit down the stretch to the point where maybe it's just worth it to sell him off for another kind of first-round talent, not kind of worry about it? It was a fluky injury. Uh, It's not like he's injury-prone. I mean, that's a whole other argument, I guess. But are you worried about Aaron Judge uh, coming back and being Aaron Judge for the rest of the season? I wouldn't say I'm necessarily worried, but a toe injury seems minor. But it can be bigger than we think. You know, it's your big toe. It is on his right foot, so it's his plant foot. Right. right. And your 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 power comes from your base, right? If you're all arms and you can't get that lower half into it, and and you know twist on that foot there because you don't want to put pressure yeah. on that toe, that can be a problem. And I do think you can really fetch a mint for Judge in a redraft. So if I'm competing and I've already been without him for a little bit, and I can still get something really strong, you know, probably not going to get another first rounder, but maybe maybe we, the aforementioned Ozzy Albies, right? Maybe I got a second base hole and I can get Albies and maybe something else thrown in I would at least explore it I'm not saying you must trade judge in fact if if people come with weak ass offers keep them but if you can get something in that second third round range of like a high impact guy that's just a bit less than judge and you don't want to carry the risk that he might be out or or have some of that power sapped I am open to it I don't think he's a don't trade at all costs type of guy even though Aaron Judge is a god he's a brilliant player I just I think you can at least explore it, and if you have multiple needs, you might be able to get two needs filled. If you need a middle infielder and a pitcher, you can maybe get both those guys in a judge deal um, at a high caliber too, as opposed to you know some some waiver fodder. You're going to get something big for Aaron Judge. No one's going to think that they're going to steal him from you. So I think you uh, it's not even a sell low. I think it's just a standard sell. Like yes, he's hurt right now, but uh, you don't have to take a, a huge discount. I think Ozzy Albies, most people, without even like looking at their stats, would happily accept Aaron Judge for Ozzy Albies just because Aaron Judge yep. is the sexier name, obviously. 100%. Um, even though, realistically speaking, you know, second base, it depends if you're three outfielders or five outfielders, but generally I think second base is a little trickier. I mean, there's been some second basemen that have kind of had value this year where we didn't expect it. But I think I would take that trade in all honesty. You get a secure so bat in a better lineup at an arguably more scarce position, someone who's going to do, you know, Similar things for you. He's going to hit a lot of home runs, steal maybe a couple of bases. The batting average will be better for Judge, but it's an interesting one. I think if you can get Albies 
and something Plus. else for Judge, then you're happily going to do that. A um, couple other things here. Jazz Chisholm, uh, I'm, I, I don't want us to be going down this path, but I do know. you think do you think that we're heading down the road of he's the next Buxton or Eloy type of somebody that you just can't trust? He's pushed down drafts. Every year we're kind of hoping this is the year, and it just never is. Is that where we're going with Jazz Chisholm? It certainly feels like it early on because even in his breakout 2021, Jazz played 124 games, just 60 last year, only 45 so far this year, and back on the IL. You, you invoke the names of Buxton and Eloy Jimenez. I think that is in line. Uh, the talent is sky high. Uh, but do you want to take on that risk? And you're going to have proponents uh, next year that say, I'm not touching Jazz no matter what. They were like that with Eloy this year. They've been like that with Buxton. But you're always still going to have his believers too, right? Like I, I'm i I'm of the mind that when the talent is there and you, all you need is health, I'm willing to take that gamble at the right price because it's better than needing some guy who has to fix his walk rate, uh, learn how to hit for power, learn how to hit lefties. Like they've got to do multiple things if, 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 with Jazz, it is a big if staying healthy, but it is just that one thing that if he can spike some health, he's a god. So it'll depend where the price is. I'll, I stay interested in guys like that, but I do understand the people that just say, I don't want to deal with the headache of the laundry list injury guy. It doesn't mean that you can draft perfectly healthy guys. Anyone can get hurt. But one of the key indicators of, of potential injury is previous injury. So that is going to add to Jazz's risk without a doubt. From a dynasty point of view, you think it's a good time to be buying then, I guess? At the right discount. You know, the, the perfect setup there, of course, is that it's somebody contending that has jazz and you're in a rebuild situation, so it kind of marries up perfectly. And you can get him at, at, a, at a discount while giving maybe some of your, your older guys that are performing right now. But outside of something like that, it, it would still I would still have to get a nice discount. That, that takes into account Jazz's health history. If someone's still charging me full freight, I'm probably not doing that. I, I want to buy on the discount there and, uh, and and get something for the fact that he has those injuries every year, Jazz Chisholm. I don't know if you can even realistically go out there with a straight face and ask for a full Jazz price. Because you know, yeah. full Jazz price, and especially for dynasties, Again, I'm not the biggest dynasty prospect guy, but top 20, top 25 if he's healthy, like at worst. You at, yeah, I, w I would think at, at least like maybe maybe it's top 30, top 35 for a hitter, but like still, that's it, it's yeah. a it, it, if it's full price and he's healthy, Jazz Chisholm sky high. With the health issues though, you got to bring him down, and so uh, that price would really depend how interested I am. So I wouldn't necessarily be auto chasing him. But I'll I'll go knock on the door, especially if I'm rebuilding in a in a dynasty. Yeah, I, I totally hear you there. Last thing I want to ask you, and it's kind of maybe a sad note, is that maybe yesterday we might have seen the end of two potential Hall of Fame careers, Nelson yep. Cruz and Adam Wainwright. Do you think that it's we're not going to see them in the show anymore? And I guess the second part of that is, do you think they've done enough to get into Cooperstown? I think Wayno's got a really good shot. Um, you know, because we're going to have to really reassess uh, starting pitcher um uh what's it called thresholds that we care about statistically yeah. so i i do think you know he doesn't have 300 wins he's not going to get there or anything like that okay sure i think he'll get the last two wins to get to 200 i think he'll try to at least hopefully he can get back this year and get those and at least get up to 200 but i mean you're talking about 20 2600 innings of some really really good work um some nice postseason pitching 114 innings of a 283 era i definitely think Wayno's in the conversation 
Cruz might be a little bit tougher. He does have a PED suspension too that people will definitely hold Forgot against him. I, I'm I'm not as adamant about that um, as, as some folks, uh, especially I mean the the 30s that he's had has been so nice. He probably comes up a bit shy and is more of a hall of very good, but uh, I do think we have we have hit the end here. You know, somebody like Matt Carpenter, his former teammate spiking up last year, does make me want to say, well, maybe there could be something with Cruz, but this is, yeah, in last year too, this is now uh, 650 plate appearances of a 90 OPS plus, and who really wants a DH only type guy like that? Uh, at least Carpenter, you can throw in the field in some spots. I do think Cruz, I think you should just hang him up and, um, you know, if, if you can get somebody to sign him, more power to you. But I doubt it's going to be be that easy. So I think you should just hang him up and then see what happens with uh, with maybe getting some Hall of Fame votes. I think he comes up short, but he, he did have a great career. Nelson Cruz was an absolute stud. I had honestly forgotten about the PED suspension, I guess. Was that? It's been a been long in, time ago. In his Texas years? Was that during the he, Texas time? Yes. Something like that. So that might actually, I mean, it'll work against him in a number of different ways, probably with voters, but people may question the validity of what he did in his 30s at Absolutely. that point as well. So, I mean, 464 homers, 274 career average. Usually that would probably be close enough, unless your name is Carlos Delgado. But I think that... Or Rafael Palmero, but he also, Rafael has, has Rafi has huge stuff. PED yeah. issues, Delgado. <laughs> it's funny you say Delgado, because Delgado's one of uh, Cruz's main similarity score guys on Baseball Reference. Delgado, I think it's just because I'm a Jays guy. I've grown up in Toronto forever. I can't understand it. You know, every single He's year he gave me 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. He was hitting almost 300. And he just no got PED spec. There, there's no, nothing that said that he was on P. I mean, I don't know, but like he doesn't have the, the cloud chasing him the way other no, guys do. So no Mitchell report, no nothing yeah. like that. And he was off the ballot after, I believe, one year. I think he got Brutal. one one year on the ballot. I don't know how that's going to vote. I mean, people kind of forgot about Delgado at this point. He's kind of just a Blue Jays legend. Uh, and I guess he spent some time in, I think, the, with the Mets and wherever. Um, and one, I think year with Miami. one year with the Marlins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Florida at the time still, of course. The Florida Marlins. Back when they uh, were right off those World Series, I guess. But I don't think it bodes well for Nelson Cruz. I think for Wainwright, I think he was you know, second in Cy Young voting a couple times. He was third mm -hmm. a couple times. He won a couple of World Series, I want to say, 06 and yes. 2011, I want to say. Uh, so I, I think there's a chance. And then, you know, we talk about the, the thresholds for starting pitchers. 300 wins, that used to be the old benchmark. And I think it was, was it 3,000 strikeouts? Was that this? Was that what it was? Or Yeah, and, and you're looking at 200 and 2,100 for, uh, for Wayno here. If he gets those last two wins, he has 2,175 on the Ks. Yeah. But, I mean, the workhorse of his era – the great playoff record certainly helps. He might come up a bit shy, but also you have to remember too that the electorate is obviously going to start to change as as people age out. And you know, not trying to be morbid, but the fact of life is people will die off that uh, that currently vote, and so that could change things as well. And I do think that the you know we mentioned you know Sarah's we've been talking about him a bunch. Uh, he's somebody that will be having some control over that he'll be one of the guys that uh, that can vote for somebody like him and i do think the younger electorate will be more keyed in on somebody like wayno and his number one similarity is roy halliday as far as baseball reference goes i mean yeah, halliday walked in now halliday had two sides and that's a huge differential yeah. but as far as the raw stats 
203 wins to Wayno's 198 in 2749 innings. It's been 2619 for Wayno. Wow. Um 2117 strikeouts to 2175, so Wayno has more. Uh the lengthier playoff record. And now I know Halliday had a no-hitter in the playoffs, which is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. But he only had 38 innings. Meanwhile, Wayno's adding 114 innings of a 283 ERA. So I think it's close. I wouldn't object to Wayno going in. I, I will say that. Yeah, I wouldn't object either. I didn't. I don't think it hurt Halliday either. I was a little bit worried when he retired that maybe he didn't have those career benchmarks because, like I've mentioned, big Toronto guy. He was the guy that I. I mean, my banner on Twitter has always been Roy Halliday. I love love the guy. I grew up at, worshiping worshiping the guy. I was a pitcher when I when I played baseball. I, I tried to model my you know, delivery after him. I don't think it hurt that he died tragically in terms of getting into the hall when he did on the first ballot. I'm not sure he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he is still alive today, which may be a horrible thing for me to say. No, I mean, I think I think things like that do play in, right? I'm what we can never say for sure, but I don't think it's like you know out of pocket to suggest you're not saying he doesn't deserve it and only got in because of that you're talking more on the first ballot versus um you know having to wait a few years yeah i mean he did throw a perfect game as well that no hitter was his first ever career playoff start because of all those years on those shitty blue jay teams he goes to philadelphia and give him away for a song in retrospect and then he was he won the Cy young in his first year in philly and then toronto collectively wanted to die but Roy Halladay, of course, uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Like I said, I grew up admiring him more than any other athlete. He was he was ridiculous. Uh, but, Paul, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today, man. I think we had some uh, some good discussions about some kind of cool topics here. So I really appreciate you coming on. Of course, Joe. I appreciate you having me on. I hope you uh, have a good all-star break, get some time off there. I know we're both on the grind every day with baseball stuff. It's hard to complain about it. It's baseball yeah. stuff, but yeah. it'll be nice to get a few days to kind of breathe a little bit. So appreciate you having me on and I, I, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to give you a quick chance because I've realized I didn't do it off the beginning. Sure. Uh, just let people oh, know yeah. where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, uh, on Twitter. Well, who gives a shit about Twitter anymore? But at Spore, <laughs> S-P-O-R-E-R. On Twitch as well, S-P-O-R-E-R. Um, I do a box score show where I just review the day's box scores and talk about players and everything uh, like three or four times a week. I don't have a consistent schedule for that, unfortunately, just because of my work meetings for Fangraphs and or Out of the Park Baseball makes it difficult to say I'm going to be here at eight o'clock all these mornings. But I I usually keep people uh, abreast of when I'm going to be on. It's three or four times a week. I stream at night. I play Out of the Park Baseball, hang out, talk baseball. Fangraphs, of course, I'm the editor for the uh, fantasy side. It is called Rotographs, but it's not a rotographs.com. So it's fantasy.fangraphs.com or fangraphs.com slash rotographs. But either way, just go to Fangraphs. You can see it. I do my daily SP chart where I rank uh, the starting pitchers and how viable they are for 10-team leagues, 12-team leagues, and 15-team leagues. Obviously, if you play in a league different than those numbers, it's basically shallow, medium, and deep leagues with a little write-up, some stats, and you can get in the comments and say, hey, I think I should play this guy instead, and we can banter it back and forth. And people change my mind sometimes. They'll say, no, nah, this guy, you can't start him, this, this, and this reason. So we have a lot of fun talking that up. But that's over on Fangraphs, and that is five days a week, Monday through Friday. Definitely go check out Paul's work, and go listen to Sleeper in the Bus. That's an Thank absolute must-listen podcast. I didn't even mention that. I'm terrible. That's No, no, it's fine. I, I listen every single, pretty much every single episode. It's Thank definitely you. in the regular rotation. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out wherever you get your podcast. You guys can find this podcast as well wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you're following me on Twitter. I'm at JoeRico99. Go follow Paul at Spore. And you can get all the rest of our content here from Sports Ethos at Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. We're still growing that page out, so go and drop a follow and check out all the great work if you can. 
And like Paul said before, and like I said, and if you follow me, you've seen me say this, Twitter is absolute bullshit these days. So if you're not wanting to go on there, go to sportsethos.com. You hover over the different tabs and you get all of our different content. But guys, until tomorrow, I appreciate you hanging out here. We will see you. We will talk streamers. We'll talk the usual stuff, the usual news and notes with just little old me. Uh, but until then, take care. Have a great night. And cheers, everybody. See ya. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.